Here's a little note here. It says, uh, the fatter you are, the less likely you are to be bitten by mosquitoes. Mosquitoes don't like fat people. Well, uh, you know, that's that's all, prejudice everywhere. What if I should turn around as people putting down other people? I have a, an ad here just came in for an electric worm getter. And I'm thinking of buying one. It says, with this device shown above, you don't have to dig for worms. I'll buy them when you go fishing. Just insert the rods in the ground five feet apart, connect the extension cord, and the worms get a gentle shock that does not kill but sends them scurrying to the surface. Well, I'll tell you, technology is making it harder for everything to live. Stick them rods. Hello, I can't see you tonight, George. Wait, we got to get this straightened out here. What is, does John Gambling do his show side saddle or what? Can't figure it out here. He wears those whipcord riding pants when he does that show. He keeps those, you know, those uh, suburbanite types at bay. <laughs> Don't you wish you could get as excited about the time as all these morning news and morning guys do? What time it is all the time. Three things that worry them all is what time it is, uh, whether it's raining, or whether uh, the Westport schools are closed. Outside of that, they can drop atom bombs on Trenton and forget it, man. They wouldn't even uh, or care. Would you please, if you will, George, let's salute that crew. And uh, oh, gee, what's now? You got me right in the gut there with that. Well, when the saints, when they come marching in, when the saints come marching in, yeah, yeah, I'll be right there on hand, a cheering, waving a flag. When them saints come marching in, doctor, when them saints come poop, I do the thing. That's enough, that's enough. Gee, I'm loose tonight. You notice that? Free and easy. I mean, if it's beginning... <coughs> Brack. If it's beginning to sneak up on you, you know, like little creeping things with feet sneaking out there in the darkness... Oh, yeah, sneaky, creepy things all out there looking at you with those little bug eyes and the moose shining off their scales. Oh, and you can hear the sound of their fins dragging along the mud. Oh, they're sneaking up on you, right, friends? That's nothing to it. Just turn it on. That's all. That's what that, isn't that what that spot just... When the saints go march, please. I, I, that calls for uh, that calls for an antidote. When you got you know, but too many of them little blue pills. When the saints, oh, when the saints go marching in, yeah, yeah, I'll be right there, and it won't matter nothing because I'll have the right pills on hand. When the saints go marching. Oh, thinky, thinky, what's fun? Oh, the saints go marching right from Macy's. Oh, that was tonight's salute to Sears Robot. Very good. Very nice. Well, we got to take... Oh, by the way, we just got a note here from Hofstra University, deep thinking school over there. And uh, once in a while we get the, you know, official recognition. And there was a note from the Department of Sociology. Very official, and it's written on the Department of Sociology letterhead. Very official letter there. It's not every day you get a letter from the Sociology Department. And it's from a professor there. And he says, Dear Mr. Shepard, some time ago you devoted some broadcast to the topic of, quote, mooning. 
you might be interested in knowing that this phenomenon has been noted in sociological circles. Thomas S. Smith, in a book called Conversationalism, wait a minute, Conversationalization and Control, an Examination of Adolescent Crowds, American Journal of Sociology, 74, September 1968, pages 172 to 83, remarks in a footnote on page 175. You can see this guy's a sociologist. Here is the footnote for all of you. I'd like to hear this. The verb moon, as it is used by teenagers and some college students, refers to the act, generally confined to males, of, quote, dropping trowel or dropping one's trousers as to expose the nude hindquarters contemptuously to unexpecting onlookers, late adults, or prissy peers. Its uh, origin appears to be in archaic ceremonies, which involve ritual moments of total disbelief and uh, disrespect to figures of authority. In the context of the riot, it preserved this jestive significance. Thump, thump, thump. That takes all the fun out of mooning. <laughs> I mean, everything you do in this world has a footnote. Oh, you know, the, the guys, you know, these guys over there wringing their hands. It's a, somebody said a great thing the other day about a Saul Bellow book. It says that the, there's a new Saul Bellow book coming out. It says that he is, of course, they're describing the character, and it says, of course, he is involved in the highly intricate and traumatic human relationships that we have come to expect from the modern novel. Dump, da dump, dump. Hooray! <clears throat> Can I practice? Hooray! Hey, you know, I haven't heard anybody holler whoopee lately. Although, uh, I, I do want to report already there's a, there's a change that has definitely been observed by me, and I'm putting it on record right now. I saw my first break up the Mets sign. I mean, the first serious one. <laughs> I remember when the Mets were, you know, when the Mets were playing about, oh, maybe two or three games out of the Teaneck Little League type of play, there were a few smart guys that would have big signs. They'd break up the Mets. But now it's serious. And I saw a sign wave that says, break up the Mets. And it was serious. Well, uh, that's a sign of the times. Everywhere you go, you know, it's... Oh, yes, we're all... Oh, we're always against anybody. Oh, within... Believe me, Mets, I'm going to warn you. Love can turn to hate almost instantaneously. Right, George? Right. 17,924 million broken-up marriages attest to that. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, by the way, uh, for those of you who are interested in what's going on out there in the, uh, in the world of beer, uh, the, a couple of months ago we did a, a little show about uh, how much beer people drink. And, uh, you know, how, how much uh, they drink something like that that's 12 miles across and four and a half miles across on the other way and 17 feet deep every year. Well, the guy, geez, a wonderful little heartwarming story. My heart is just sizzling there with warmth. La Crosse, Wisconsin, a 21-year-old visitor from the brewery city. And uh, he was visiting from Milwaukee in, in La Crosse, which is a real tank town. The 21-year-old visitor from the brewery city volunteered a finger to halt the flow of suds from a beer keg when his lacrosse party hosts discovered their spigot wouldn't fit a freshly opened tap hole. Oh, there's nothing more exciting than when you, you, know, you take the hammer. Have you ever done that with a, with a keg of beer? And there's this little plug in it. You go, the beer squirts out, and then you discover that you got nothing to stick in the hole. <laughs> well, that's what happened. See, they tried to spigot. And some clown forgot to measure the spigot and it didn't fit in the hole. 
So the beer is squirting out all over the, you know, all over the rug, and everybody's yelling and screaming, and they're running around trying to get paper cups and all that. And with that, uh, Arbogast leaps up and says, I will stem the flood. And he rushes over and puts his finger in the dike, just like that little Dutchman did, you know. And everybody cheered, except they couldn't get it out. And they wound up taking him to the hospital. He lay on the hospital floor with a keg of beer attached to his finger. <laughs> Would you please salute that clown? That's a, that's a great moment. To tell the story. Nobody's going to believe him. Oh, well, Arbogast, you are brave. You stepped up and you did it for all them other klutzes. You got your finger in the beer keggle. And after that it grew on you like a wart. Like a wart, 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 like a wart. And you're trying to explain it to the doctors and... Gee, that was a nice... You notice how... You see how opera grows? That's the way opera grows. You see, you get carried away by something. That's how the, how the, uh, how the whole uh, art form known as the opera grew. If you'll notice that the Greeks, for example, you go see, you go see uh, like a Electra. Oh, boy, that's a gas or a... Oh, so exciting. You walk around with these masks and all that stuff. And they are, oh, forsooth. No, they don't say that. That's Shakespeare. They say stuff like this. Oh, what boots this cruise that I carry? Oh, brother, upon some far shore. Oh, you know, it's a, and, and then, the, of course, the Greek chorus comes up in the background. It goes, oh, woe is me. Oh, woe, woe, back, oh, woe. Well, uh, it's very exciting. Hello. I seem to be fading out here. That's better. There you are, George. Okay, I'm not going to yell. So, uh, wouldn't hurt this cheap tin pot transmitter anyway. So, uh, anyway, no, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, and, and all those crummy little transistor radios that are listening to me, I'll tell you what you do. All you guys, you turn your radios off, go to the window, and you probably hear me anyway. I mean, it doesn't matter. With the wind blowing in the right direction, it wouldn't matter. So, anyway, uh, uh, as the art form grew, I hope I'm not boring you with this discussion of how opera grew. It's very important because we're part of mankind, and mankind created the opera. And, uh, um, well, gee, I thought it was relevant. I mean, that's it. That's my problem. I'm always irrelevant. Uh, irrelevant? Irrelevant. Like the other night, I called my friend Roger Price on the phone. And I get this, you know Roger? You saw him? Cartoonist? He's a bad drawer, but a great guy. And so uh, Roger's the most uh, resourceful guy I know, that uh, in spite of not being able to draw, he became a famous cartoonist. You see, he, he, worked, <laughs> he worked with his problem. So, so old Roger, he's got this machine. And I don't know whether you've ever had this experience uh, of calling a friend of yours, and on he comes. Hello, this is Roger Price, and uh, you're talking to my machine. Uh, if you would like to uh, leave a message, I would suggest you call my agent. Uh, my agent would be glad to take care of it if you want to uh, give me some money. And uh, in case uh, you don't want to give me any money, don't bother to call. And when this thing gives two little beeps like this, boop, boop, when it goes like that, will you leave a message, all right? And uh, this is Roger, and thank you for calling. Boop, boop. And then you're supposed to say something. Well, you know that they've discovered that people have a psychological flip out when they hear one of those machines talking to them. And somebody, I know it's got to happen, somebody's going to bring out an LP of smart remarks that have been made to machines all over the country. <laughs> oh, wait till Roger gets the one I said. Terrible. I mean, he's going to think Jack the Ripper's out there looking around again. But uh, no, that's all. You know, in and out, and uh, I'm worried about the guy with the beer can on his finger. Of course, uh, today I had lunch with a couple of friends of mine who uh, made a movie. 
Yeah, well, it's a groovy. It's really funny. And uh, they, they, you know, a big Hollywood pet. This is not the, you know, the underground armpit movie. You know, uh, one of these, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not a stag type film. Oh, it's a great movie. It's funny. So we're sitting there having lunch, and that we got talking about the movie scene, and and I've been, you know, worked on this stuff once in a while, and uh, get in and out of it. That's kind of fun. And then I remember, I, I don't know whether I've ever told you, one of the great surrealistic moments that I've ever had in my life. I mean, connected with the movie world. It kind of tells it all. If you did it in a set, you'd have to, you'd have to make a set, see? Uh, I think of everything in terms of theatricality, all right? All right, you've got a set, right? The set is a cut, a cross-cut of a building. And the building, the building is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a movie studio, but not, it's a recording studio, actually. And you know what a recording studio looks like? Have you seen, you know, you go over in the East 40s, West 40s, rather, and there's about 17,000 buildings where they're making all these bad movies. Mixing, stuff like that, you see. The stuff you never see on the street. There's all kinds of technicians are working at all these places like uh, Schlock Productions. You see this, you know, Schlock Productions Limited. And you go up there, and there's a couple of guys named Manny and Moe, and they're sitting and yelling into the phone with their cigars, going, I've got the coast on the phone, Manny, hurry up! You know, and uh, it's really exciting to get in these places. And, and they're, it's like a giant horse race. And they're all betting on, you know, <laughs> that their little turkey's going to go. And that uh, they've raised the money by selling Fred's used Pontiac. And here they are. So uh, I'm over in this building. Yeah, that's the way it really is. So I'm in this. And, and you know, it's funny how, how when you read the reviews of this stuff, it sounds so official. And above it, it says, uh, uh, you know, like Condor Productions. And underneath it, it has about 5,000 names. Released through United Artists International Eagle Productions Releasing Corporation, Inc. And that's Manny and Mo. See, up on Fordham Road. And they're spending all their time on the phone yelling at guys. <laughs> Isn't that truly? So, uh, nevertheless, uh, this is the side of the world that a lot of people don't know about. And so I, I was up at this place here a couple of days ago. Did I tell this story to any of you? I don't think so. So I'm up there, and I have been called. See, I do a lot of commercials and stuff and sound over and that stuff. So I was called and, uh, I'm in this room, and they're showing the film that I'm about to narrate. Well, y there could be nothing more innocent than this, this film. Uh, it was for, for Saturday morning television when little two-year-old kids are watching TV, and it's a 60-second commercial that sells something like uh, sock-a-doodlers, you know, one of these, uh, you know, these things like ring the dings, and, uh, kind of a kind of a truncated Twinkie. Uh, <laughs> have you noticed how big Twinkies are getting? I think we brought them back. That's right. I say, let them eat Twinkies. That's what I say. So, so old Shep is in there. He's he's uh, he's about to narrate this thing, and they've got it on the screen, great big screen, say. And it's in this uh, very official studio, and uh, all these official guys are sitting there with uh, with clipboards. There's always a guy called the writer, and uh, there's always a guy called the director. Then there's a guy called the producer. You, you can't imagine what they go through to make a 60-second commercial. It's uh, oh really? I mean, Daryl Zanuck. They sit there with puttees. Uh, yeah, they've got the, they've got their names on the back of the chairs, you know. And, and oh yeah, they got megaphones and all that stuff. So on the screen, they're showing this commercial, and it's in color, and it's so innocent, you know. It's a, it's a commercial about the, you know, one of these cakes they make. For, for Saturday morning. I won't even use the name. It's all right, you know. Yankee Doodles is what it was. So uh, Yankee Doodles are up there. Now, what, what could be more innocent than doing a commercial for Yankee Doodles? I mean, Yankee Doodles. And uh, so the Yankee Doodles are coming out of the big machine, and they're animated, and they're whistling Dixie and hollering and yelling. By the way, I, I also understand that the first pornographic kid 
animated the short that's coming out. Of course, it involves uh, muskrats and beavers and stuff, but the, it's a step in the right direction. You see, total liberalization of everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to be a groovy one. Wait till that comes out. It'll come out one Saturday morning, you know, <clears throat> right after Yogi Bear and the Little King. And uh, out comes this thing. It's called The Birds and the Bees All Do It. And so now TV commercial cartoons are going to do it, you know. At the, oh, well, it's all educational. you gotta, you got to figure this. It's uh, opening up things. What a man won't do to earn a measly living in this world. Soupy Sales is getting hit with bad pies all the time. Johnny Carson sits and jabbers along with Zsa Zsa Kapoor. Boy, we're going to have to answer. Shepard does tinkly tinkles over the Valentine beer commercial. Where is it all going to end? Uh, speaking of ends, friends. She has a catchy tone. Uh, theta, Beta, Sigma. Theta, Beta, Sigma. Uh, I wonder what that stands for. I mean, I know all those Greek letters, but what does it stand for? T-P-S. Theta, Beta, Sigma. The Rutherford Biological Society of Fairly with the... Fairly Dickinson University. I'm going to smash you in the beak if you don't stop printing this on my little note here. Fairly Dickinson is a very serious university. In fact, I know a guy who graduated from there. And he's one of the few guys I know who, even though he does move his lips when he reads, and, uh, I don't want to get personal. He's a very nice person, and, and he graduated from Fairleigh Dickinson University, so don't be smart. The Harvard Biological Society of Fairleigh Dickinson University presents... Give me a little drum music in there, just a little razzmatazz, please. Presents, please, if you will. Oh, is this the way I'm going to come out? Oh, fairly Dickinson University. Theta, beta, sigma, resmataz, rookitoo, rookitoo, rackitoo, boom. The biological society, the biological society of fairly Dickinson University. Yes, sir. Oh, 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 I got carried away there. Gee, that was kind of nice. The Fairley Dickinson University Rutherford Biological Society presents Gene Shepard, Friday, September 26th. I'm going to warn you, this is going to be one of Shepard's rare Jersey appearances. There has been a wave of our Jersey salute. And that we're coming in under armed escort, and I will be cleverly disguised. I will be cleverly. So if you think uh, that, that Marjorie Maine has shown up on your campus... It could very well be old Shep. Oh, shades and everything. It's going to be Friday, September 26, 8 p.m. in the Rutherford Gym. The university there. And you'll get in there. Of course, they, they will have just lost their third straight basketball game. And when we get in there, you'll be able to smell the sweat and the anger and the tears and the defeat. And we'll attempt to expunge the evil spirits from the Rutherford Gym. That's what I've been called over there for, cast a spell. The tickets will be two bananas. Two Iron Men, two skins, right? Tickets, two dollars at the student activities office. You walk in there, blow, you don't get all that smoke out of your way, and you go in there. Of course, that is if, if somebody isn't occupying it. And, <laughs> you, know, you go into the student activities office, or you can make your two dollar check, 
payable, too. The Biological Society, and anybody who's, you know, you're writing a check to the Biological Society, I think you're a very serious person. And uh, you're probably, you know, getting some uh, secret information on nuclear fallout or something like that. So you make a $2 check available and payable to the Biological Society and mail it to the Biological Society, Fairleigh Dickinson University. And don't be smart. Those guys, if you write Fairly Ridiculous University, well, they're going to put you behind a post, friend. Fairly Dickinson University, Rutherford, New Jersey, 07070. What happened to James Bond, by the way? <laughs> Rutherford, New Jersey, 07070. <laughs> I understand he's working at Cosmopolitan now. He's Mr. Smashing. He's working over there. <laughs> he's doing all right. <laughs> So that's going to be the 26th. Hey, that was pretty good. Would you please bring that same thing on there, please? I'd like to do that again. That was a nice tune. Oh, they paint a signal car. Oh, oh, they paint the Has lips so red for Sigma Kappa. Take it to the doodle. Oh, you have to tell the truth. Oh, Betty Cohen, yes, sir. Oh, Betty Cohen was high yesterday afternoon again. Oh, my God, my phone, phone. Oh, that's the... All right, let's hurry Second good tonight. George, I'm pushing it. I'll tell you that. No, sir. Well, I, 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 you know, uh, oh, I didn't finish the story, did I? Anybody want to hear the rest of the story? Oh, come on. Now. You guys are, you're, you're toadies. I'm t- <laughs> Oh, no, I, I'm serious. Uh, uh, before I go on with this story, though, I, I've got to make one request. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little bugged because the fall is coming up, and if there's anything I hate, it's fall. I really get mad at fall. I like fall, but I get mad at it, you know, because fall means that the uh, snowfall can't be far behind, and then, of course, uh, there's going to be a lot of parading around because uh, Lindsay didn't clear off Staten Island. You know, the whole shtick start all over again. It's, it's just, by the way, isn't it kind of funny? Now, I'm not going to be political here, but I think one of the greatest gags in the world is, is, is like eight weeks before the election, instantly, all... All uh, garbage men are on overtime. <laughs> Have you noticed that? <laughs> Department of Funny Coincidence. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and and uh, all the police are overtime. I would say. I just kind of like that. I think that uh, that's kind of, you know, I like open stuff. I, I don't I don't like hidden stuff. I like an open thing. I, I'd like to see one guy pay off another guy openly. But she comes in and says, all right, hey, on television, see. <laughs> and he's, he's uh, whoever the candidate is, he's accepting the office. Uh, I, I hope to, you know, I hope to see this day when uh, here's Gabe Pressman, everybody, you know, and Lester Smith, they're all there at the office, the winning candidate, his, uh, his hotel suite. And the, the camera opens up, you know, you see the TV shot, you see all the smoke, it's a smoke-filled room, and you see all those ladies standing around. You know how they're, and they're all going, hooray, hooray, hooray. And the, the announcer, Lester Smith, whoever this is, uh, there's wild excitement here today. And, uh, and, uh, and Mr. Oshenschlager's uh, suite here, uh, the returns have just come in, but all those payolas that they've made for the last 16 months have paid off, and they all delivered the votes. And uh, in any minute now, Mr. is going to come on and deliver his gracious speech of acceptance. Here he comes now, and you see him coming on. He's three sheets to the wind, see? He's been hitting the jug all night because, you know, he's winning, you know. It's a great feeling. So he comes out, and you see him, and his glasses are kind of crooked, and his tie's a little, um, you know, a little, and then there's this chick hanging on him. And he comes on, and he says, uh, all right, he waves them all. <laughs> I like the scene, don't you? Oh, what a groovy scene. And he, and he waves to the entire crowd, and they're all going, hooray, 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 
Ashi, Ashi, Slugger, right, right, long live the king, right, right. And he gets up and he says, My friends, I want to thank all you guys. Yeah, oh, baby. I want to thank all you guys. After later, baby. I want to thank all you guys. Are we on a camera now? Oh, hi, folks. Hey, I want to thank all you peoples who white worked me for me. It was a great campaign. And, of course, that bum that was running against me. I'm glad you realized he was such a bum, crummy bum. And, uh, and I just wrote off a telegram to him saying, you bum. And uh, he said, I'm glad. He's probably going to go back working for the garbage company again, and he's probably got his job back with the mafia. All right, now. What I want to say is this, that I want to accept this great high office. Who is it? Mayor, mayor. I'm a mayor now. I want to accept this office of mayor with all humility. I said humility. What do you mean there's no word like that? I'm the mayor. I invented a word. It's humility. Humble. Oh, that's right. I'm humble. I want to accept this office in all humbleness. And uh, I want to say that uh, my campaign manager, uh, Big uh, Big Nose Augie, uh, you all remember Big Nose Augie? He used to be with Murder, Inc. He was a good man in them days. He's coming back. I want to thank Big Nose. Come on up here, Big Nose. Give him a hand, everybody. Big Nose twisted a lot of arms, boy, to get this in. Big Nose, good man. Hello, Big Nose. Oh, Chief. Oh, Big Nose, and Big Nose right now in front of all them people to show you I'm not a think I'm going to pay off right here. I promise you three G's if you gave me Fordham Road. Here's three G's right in front of everybody. And, folks, I want to tell you things is going to be different when I'm in. It's all wide open now. Gee, can't you see Matt Hentoff in the Village Voice clip on the next morning? With everybody inside, it's what a good night. When Betty Coenz shows up on the scene, oh, she's got lips of red for hot, yeah. She's got eyes for guess who? Hey, I'm sorry. What happened there? Oh, I didn't think sing it right. Well, those weren't the lyrics. Well, it's dark in here. I mean, uh, <laughs> wait, I can't hear you. Why'd you better tell that to me? I'm getting a note from my producer. Hello. Well, where are you here? Well, pick up the phone and say it. I'm getting a note. Betty Coed has lips of red for Harvard. Tell the story. What story? What story? You say you know a story. Oh, I can't tell that story on the air, the one about the, the bow-legged dachshund. Oh, no, that's a great story, by the way. I'd like to tell that to you. The one that's a, it's a Third Avenue bartender and the defrocked Franciscan monk. And this... Uh, no, I better not tell... Hello there, hi. Uh, who is that? Throw him out. I better not tell that story. Oh, hi there, Mr. O'Neill. It's good to see you. Hello there, hi. And you say you're buying... Uh, what? You say you're buying... Fran oh, no, no, no. Uh, but uh, that's uh, neither here nor there. You know, I'll tell you... I'll tell the story. It's okay. I'll tell it. Well, I, I, I was in this... Uh, would you please set the mood... Uh, the other one. Just a little, little mood-setting music, please, if you will. This is... Very good. That's enough mood. <laughs> you can get just too much mood. And I was in this... 
this uh, studio. This, this is the inside movie world. I was inside this studio, and uh, I'm watching this little Yankee Doodle film, which is for these little cakes. And there's hardly anything more innocent than that. And so, uh, and they're running this thing over and over again. And this, uh, on the film, it was all in color, beautiful color. And gee, they must have spent $400 million on this commercial. Fantastic set. Maybe some of you have seen it. A, it really is a good commercial. I'd love to see it, but I'm never up that hour. And if I am, I'm not watching Yogi Bear, I can tell you that, friends. So, uh... <laughs> I don't know what's the matter with me here tonight. Saying awful bad things. So, uh... Nevertheless, I'm sitting in there digging this commercial, saying it's a, it, it, the set is like the inside of this uh, Yankee Doodle factory. <laughs> and they've got this giant machine. It's turning out Yankee Doodles, and they're all coming out on this big assembly line. Say. And here is this artist, and he's dressed up like a chef and so on. And he's got this big squirter, tremendous machine, where he pulls things off the ceiling. And You know, the Yankee Doodle is, is like a devil's food cake, and it's got this creamy stuff in the middle of it, say. And that... Uh, I come on and I say, you are looking at Jacques, one of the great, famous, unsung artists of the world. And then the music goes, da -da 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 -da, and he makes a little thing, you know, he's got this fancy, he looks like an artist, he's a French artist. says, and his medium is the Yankee Doodle. Da -da 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 -da. And uh, one day, all of his work is going to be in great museums, a true example of pop art. And here he is, he's running around. It says, he, what he does is put the creamy stuff inside of every Yankee Doodle by hand himself, and he signs them. And so he's maniacally squirting this stuff in there, and of course all the Yankee Doodles are coming out. And he's such a fantastic artist that he can't let this one Yankee Doodle go. It is not just right. So, of course, the machine still turns out Yankee Doodles. And in the end, there's 14 million Yankee Doodles, and he's running around. He says, oh, my art, my art is terrible. And I says, yes, you can buy Jacques' art down at your local delicatessen. Just pick up a Yankee Doodle, and you'll be having a true work of art. And I'm in there working on this. It's a, kind of a great commercial, see? I'm digging it. I'm very innocent. Well, of course, it was a time for a big, uh, serious discussion where all the, the producer and the director and the writer and all these official-type guys had to get together and, and to hammer out the copy. That's a good phrase, hammer out the copy. And they do, you know. They carry these little hammers around, and they're, they're hammering away at the copy. It won't do any good. It's solid tin, you know. They're hammering, though. And so I'm getting a little bored. And I walk up in back where the projector is projecting this stuff. He's up in the projection booth. You don't even see him at all, see? And it's coming out of the wall. It's like a regular movie house. So I walk up in the back. I always get along with technicians pretty good. So I walk up there, and here's this old duffer sitting there, see? And he looked like he was there when D.W. Griffith, you know, first the, you know, shot the first couple of feet of uh, the great train robbery. <laughs> and he, he's, he's sitting up there, his grizzled veteran. He's running this tremendous machine, sound on film, great big wide film screen, uh, erotoscope, great fantastic machine. And I notice now when I'm up there in this little projection booth that he's got another machine shooting out the other wall. He's running two machines. And in the other studio, there was a studio adjoining my little studio. It was exactly like ours. And his machine is running, sending the Yankee Doodle commercial into our little studio, let's say a Studio A, and it's sending another film into Studio B, and he's running both machines. He's sitting there smoking a cigar, looking very bored. And I said, uh, hi. He said, hi, hello. You know, that's the way all old movie guys talk. Hello, son. And I said, how are you? I'm all right, fair to Mippin. I said, uh, gets pretty much of a drag in here, don't it? Yep, I've seen it all, son. 
I said, well, uh, what are you showing in that other machine? Take a look. And so innocently, I looked down through the window into the other studio, which was exactly like ours and very plush. And the first thing I see are all these guys sitting around in chairs looking exactly like my crew. They've got clipboards, and yellow second sheets, and they're looking very serious, and they're writing this stuff down. And then I look up on the screen. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Oh, I am seeing on the screen a scene that makes the average American Legion stag film look like a tourist film of my vacation trip to the Rockies. Unbelievable. I mean, any stag film that I ever heard of or ever saw or even thought of was like the Bobsy Twins compared to this. And there's this fantastic wild orgy going on. She's looking there, and here's old big Luke, you know, the, the, the operator. He's <laughs> One machine is showing a Yankee Doodle film. The other machine is showing this fantastic orgy thing. And I look, and I says, what's that? Hey, that's just one of the films. I said, what is it? Oh, they're making some kind of a Japanese skin flick. I said, what? He said, well, they shot it up in the Bronx. I said, shot it up in the Bronx? It's supposed to be a Japanese thing. He said, well, everybody buys foreign films today. If you were to shoot this in Cleveland, they'd run you into the jug. You shoot it in Japan, and then you put Japanese subtitles, and then you put American sub-subtitles on it. It's called art. Here were these little operators. They had made their own, quote, Japanese art film, and they made it up in a Bronx somewhere. It was not even made in Japan. <laughs> and I see this writhing and yelling, and I said to, I said to old Nick, which was not his name, I said, hey, Nick, I said, that's a wild film. He said, ah, I see him here. He said, they're turning them out like peanuts. So I must have had 2,500 of these things the last three months. I said, well, uh, gee, you must see everything. And then some. <laughs> so I looked back into my little, my other studio, and I see the little Yankee Doodle film. See, it's coming out of there. And so I go down into the Yankee, Yankee Doodle studio, see, and I says, hey, fellas, you want to see what's going on in that other studio? Man, they got something really good. With that, my entire crew says, really? And they jump up and they run into the other studio. Well, all of a sudden, the crowd from the other studio comes in and they want to look at the Yankee Doodle film. They want to see how they really produce commercials. See, <laughs> it was a bit of change. I'm sitting in the middle. And Nick says, look at them. Look at them. None of them guys seen nothing on the film. It's just all a yard wide. He says, you know, I don't even see what's on the pictures anymore. And he's going... You see these chicks rolling around, you know, and the guys yelling. Oh, boy, I'll tell you, it made Rome really... It made, it seriously, it made Rome look a little bit like uh, a Mormon village. It's gone, and the Yankee Doodle film is going. And I says, I am in the middle of Madhouse. This is madness. It is, it is Hieronymus Botch. Uh, what's it, what's his name? Hieronymus Botch? Oh, yeah, that's the guy that has his used cars on the late, late TV. Oh, speedy price. Oh, speedy weasel, won't you now and here? S-P-E-E-D-Y, speedy price. Ho, 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 Your credit is good with us. Have you been turned down everywhere? Ain't your money no good, no place. Nobody believes you anymore. Ba -ba 
So call this number right now, 2673-0000, and we'll get you right in the old ba-ba-ba-da-do. Hello, Test. Hello, hello. Woo. Hey, I'm through. And it was off before I even knew it. Oh, gee, I'm sorry. This is... Oh, gee, and here I was going to tell you that if you went and got fat, the mosquitoes wouldn't bite you anymore and all that stuff. I had so many good things I wanted to do. I had a wonderful recipe for chicken fondue with fudge that I wanted to bring along. Yes, and uh, don't forget the marijuana brownies. We had a wonderful recipe for those, and uh, I was going to salute the... Oh, well, it's too late now. It's too late. I mean, it's too late. Oh, by the way, don't worry about it. Would you just turn me on, just like, yeah, 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 Betty Cohen. So hang loose, gang. Think clean thoughts of the. Ah, slip my tongue. Gee whiz. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.